Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the expectations that other people have put on you or that you have put on yourself? It's almost like they are creating barriers and you can barely breathe. Or have you had those moments where the expectations maybe you've put upon someone else have resulted in being extraordinarily disappointed? Expectations are this very odd thing. Like they are a double-edged sword because you've got the expectations where it actually can be life-giving. It can give you some goals. It like pushes yourself a little in really good ways and maybe even others. Or on the other side, right, we get this sense of how expectations can be micromanaging, damaging, and just suck the life out of us. And what's interesting, right, is we all have expectations. We all have expectations of ourselves, of others, of God. And so what does it mean that when we are creating or experiencing from others those expectations that are barriers, that are really pushing us down, that feel like they are consuming our lives in really negative, destructive ways, how do we face those? How do we begin to flourish when that's what's happening? So for today, we are looking at some stories or some teachings of Jesus here. And usually we read these independently of one another. But today we are going to read a few of them together just so that we can get a sense. Because here's the thing. Jesus had to deal with the expectations of his friends who thought, hey man, are you going to like overthrow the Roman government? We don't really like them. And he had to deal with the expectations of like the Pharisees who kept expecting Jesus to fail, who were looking for every moment where he would screw it up so they could come after him. He had to deal with all kinds of expectations. And so what does it mean to face those that really are barriers that are life-taking? What does it mean to deal with those in a way that leads to flourishing? So for today, we are looking at the Gospel of Matthew, the 12th chapter, and we're going to start in verses 1 through 5. At that time, Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they were picking heads of wheat and eating them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to them, Look, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath law. But he said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and those with him were hungry? He went into God's house and broke the law by eating the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple treat the Sabbath as any other day and are still innocent? Can you imagine having people follow you around that are looking for you to screw up? That's what the Pharisees are doing to Jesus and his disciples. They are following them around. They're like taking notes. They're like watching. They're being critical. They are just being negative. They don't like Jesus. They don't like that people like Jesus. They don't like that he is popular with others. And so they're looking for every little reason. And they even go so far as to take laws like Sabbath laws that they're talking about here 
And the Sabbath law that really is stated is you're not supposed to be harvesting on the Sabbath. Like you're not supposed to be going out into the field working like you do on a Monday. That this is a moment where Jesus is like, okay, wait a minute. Like you're trying to apply the law that's written this way to us in a completely different way. Because the disciples in him, they're hungry. They're walking through the field. They grab a couple of grains of wheat. They're chewing on them. They're talking to each other. And there the Pharisees are. They're picking them apart. They are micromanaging. They are coming down on them that you aren't doing things the way we want you to do them. You are not meeting our expectations, our understanding of the law. And so Jesus goes, okay, all right. Well, it, how then do you respond about David? And the David here that Jesus brings up, that's King David. And King David was considered a hero. He was revered in Judaism because he was the king that finally brought all the tribes of Israel together. He was considered this guy who was after God's own heart, which there are several issues that he faced in life, and that's its own sermon series right there. But David is held high, and Jesus reminds them, well, do you have a problem with David? And the answer is no, because they revere David. But here he's challenging them and the expectations that they've placed upon Jesus and the understanding of the laws they've placed upon Jesus and his disciples and going, wait a minute, are you applying this across the board? Is this like for everybody? Like, do you even understand the expectations you've put upon us? Do you understand the rules that you are trying to enforce? Do they even make sense? And so for ourselves sometimes, right? Are we putting expectations on others that maybe aren't really fair? That really are singling out because we don't like so-and-so for a particular reason. Like it's a personal preference. And so here... Jesus is like trying to challenge their understanding, but he doesn't just stop there. He gives a modern, for them, a modern day moment of go, well, yeah, but okay, but what about the priests? You hold the priests, they have high expectations of the priests. The priests even partake in the Sabbath in a particular way. They even are allowed to eat. They, they don't have to go hungry. And Jesus is like, why are you singling us out? Why are your expectations different? And that's really important for us to consider. When we are figuring out expectations that we place upon others, are they really fair? Are they right? Are they holding people to different standards that really shouldn't be? Is it because we want to one-up somebody? We want to feel right? What are the reasons that we have for putting expectations upon others? And are they really detrimental? Are they painful? Are they problematic? Are they getting so covered like the Pharisees in the law that they can't see anything else? And Jesus is going to follow this up with, what should you really be focused upon? Whether, you know, micromanaging people and being angry at people and, and pointing out all of the wrongs that they do and how to be judgmental, maybe there's something else we should be focused upon. And here in verses 6 through 10, he gets to that. 
But I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I want mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't have condemned the innocent. The human one is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus left that place and went to the synagogue, their synagogue. A man with a withered hand was there. Wanting to bring charges against Jesus, they asked, does the law allow a person to heal on the Sabbath? All right, so Jesus responds to them by going, wait a minute, how do you deal with these instances, whether they are in the moment or looking to the past of somebody that they consider a hero? And he says, I want mercy and not sacrifice. You wouldn't have condemned the innocent. When we have expectations, when we are placing expectations on ourselves, on others, mercy first. What does it mean before we speak? Mercy first. What does it mean before we act? Mercy first. To begin to go, wait a minute, we need to pause, take a second. What does it mean when we are feeling all judgmental, when we're ready to attack, when we're doing the whole micromanaging, judgmental kind of stuff? What does it mean for us to really ask mercy first of ourselves? And what's interesting, right? He asked that. He puts it to them. People have gotten seriously hurt. Innocent people. Innocent people have been condemned because you didn't start with mercy. And the Pharisees turn right around, continue to follow him. Jesus goes in the temple. They follow him, and they're like, okay, well, we didn't get him on that one. And he talked about mercy, and, and we're so focused on how much we don't like him, on how much we don't like the situation. We're so focused on the right way to interpret laws, to read those policies and procedures, that everything that dictates life, we are so focused upon the way we understand it, the translation that we have, that we forget mercy first, and they reach out one more time, and they're like, hey, uh, Jesus, so does that mean you'd be willing to heal on the Sabbath? Because their interpretation is you don't heal on the Sabbath. Think about that for a second. They're so focused in their way of thinking that they're going to try to trick Jesus with healing. With saying, well, are you actually going to heal that person? I mean, is it right? Can you heal a person on the Sabbath? And Jesus responds, we need to pause with that for a moment. Jesus' response is found in verse, starting in verse 11. Jesus replied, Who among you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? So the law allows a person to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he did, and, he, and it was made healthy, just like the other one. The Pharisees went out and met in order to find a way to destroy Jesus. Jesus knew what they intended to do, so he went away from there. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them all. Okay, so Jesus responds with this, Who among you has a sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and pull it out? All right, that's Jesus' response. And so if Jesus were responding today, he'd probably be like, all right, how many of you have dogs and cats that you absolutely love? And if something were going wrong or something happened and they have a need, 
won't you respond to that need of that dog and the cat? And, and people be like, well, of course, I mean, you should do that. And he goes, well, then why not respond to another human being? Now, today, we might go, well, that's because we like dogs and cats way better. They don't talk back. Or as I said last week, right? You know, relationships would be easy if it weren't for all the other people. And so here Jesus goes, wait a minute. Like, what are your priorities? Like, you would help. You do respond to particular needs. You, you will respond when the sheep falls. You will respond when your dog or cat is hurt, as you should. So why won't you respond in the way that you can to someone who has this need? Instead of being judgmental. Instead of going, well, they haven't met my expectations, so I'm out. And so here Jesus is like, no, healing. Mercy first. And so he heals the guy. He heals the guy. And think about that for a second. He heals the guy. And the response of the Pharisees are to walk out and plot to destroy Jesus. Sometimes we get so caught in one way of thinking, one way of looking at a situation that we cannot see any other possibility. We can only see the negative. We can only see what is bad about or what we think is bad about. We can get in these moments where we are dragged into toxic anger, bitterness that is so destructive that when somebody's like, wait a minute, I, there needs to be healing here. We need to do some healing that we're like, no, mm -mm, no, I don't have time for that. And to think about that. When we get so caught in our way of doing it that we just skip over, that we refuse mercy, that we refuse healing to one who needs it. And so as we're thinking about that, as we're kind of internalizing that, how often with our expectations that we place upon others, that we place upon ourselves, is it mercy first and how does healing how is this healing? How can this be healing? Not to say we're going to get it right every time. Not to say that we'll have it always figured out. But what does it mean to begin there every single time with our expectations? Healing and mercy. Mercy and healing. How does that begin to help us face those barriers of expectations? How does it begin for us to take that step back? Because we don't like it when other people place confining, over-the-top, overbearing expectations, unfair expectations upon us. We want mercy. We want healing. And so here Jesus is like, so do others. Mercy and healing with expectations. Continuing on in verses 22 through 25. They brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak. Jesus healed him so that he could both speak and see. All the crowds were amazed and said, This man couldn't be the son of David, could he? When the Pharisees heard, they said, 
This man throws out demons only by the authority of Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Because Jesus knew what they were thinking, he replied, Every kingdom involved in civil war becomes a wasteland. Every city or house torn by divisions will collapse. Jesus is like, wait a minute, what? So think about this. The Pharisees keep throwing up barriers. They keep throwing up all kinds of things, all kinds of expectations. Jesus will never meet their expectations. They don't like him. They don't like he's popular. And Jesus is like, nope, stay focused on healing. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to heal. And here with this particular situation, demon possession was often used uh, in a way, anything they couldn't explain. Also, we recognize this in a different way. There sometimes seems to be a force in this world that is where people get so caught up, so caught up in their idol, in protecting their idol, that they are willing to destroy other people's lives. And that is evil. And so the personification of that evil right here is named Beelzebul, or also known as the Prince of Darkness. And we know that we make idols of things, right? That we give our time and energy and make things so important that we are willing to destroy other people's lives for it. And it can happen over money. It can happen over power. It can happen over it's my way or no way. My way of thinking, right? We, we do it around particular things. And sometimes we get so caught up in it that we can't see the pain that we are causing by it. So now the Pharisees, because they're so angry at Jesus, they're so bitter, they're, they're so toxic that they now try to equate Jesus' healing of others with evil, with hurling insults at it. They're really hurling an insult. And we sometimes do this today where we will compare individuals today to people of the past. And maybe there are some similarities, but we do it as a weapon, right? We weaponize. We, we hurl things like Salem witch trials, drinking the Kool-Aid like Jim Jones. We throw out Nero, burn Rome down and fiddle, right? We hurl Hitler or Mussolini at people because we're trying to attack, because we don't like them. And so here Jesus is being attacked because he is paying attention to healing. And so for ourselves, when we're thinking about those expectations, when we're thinking about how we engage with people, the things that we say when we don't like them, when people don't like us, how often are we weaponizing our words to hurt others? to cut other people down, to lower people, to dehumanize others. When maybe, maybe we are misunderstanding, maybe we're missing something about. And so to be very careful when we are using words to hurt.
when we are hurling things out there at others. And Jesus is like, ooh, he's about to respond to this, right? Jesus is going to respond to the Pharisees. And to notice this, Jesus always responds to the Pharisees. Jesus always responds to the barriers that they are creating. But he responds in such a way that he's trying to get them to think. He's trying to go, wait a minute, are you sure about? Like, do you know what you just said? And he does it here with verses 26 through 30. If Satan throws out Satan, he is at war with himself. How then can his kingdom endure? And if I throw out demons by the authority of Beelzebul, then by whose authority do your followers throw them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I throw out demons by the power of God's spirit, then God's kingdom has already overtaken you. Can people go into a house that belongs to a strong man and steal his possessions unless they first tie up the strong man? Then they can rob his house. Whoever isn't with me is against me, and whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. All right. So what Jesus is trying to say here is, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. I'm trying to heal people. I'm trying to respond to people's needs. I'm trying to love people. And they need to be loved. They need to be healed. They need to have health and well-being. They need to be able to flourish. And what you're talking about, this destructive nature, this, wait a minute, who am I in? What am I doing? Who have you equated me to? And I'm going, wait, if you're going to equate me to that, how does that work? There is fallacy in your thinking, O Pharisees. There is severe fallacy in thinking that where there is healing and love present, where people are encouraged and built up, where there is mercy first, right? Mercy first. That's all connected to God. But now you're trying to say all of that that's connected to God is now somehow connected to, to evil? Wait, what? So even Jesus is like, I, okay, like, let's take a step back. And he says this at the end of whoever isn't with me is against me. And whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. He's like, why not be with me on healing? Why get so caught up? Why get so caught and there is only one way to do things. There's only one way of looking. That why get so angry about that you completely throw out mercy. That you have no sense of healing. That you would rather go in a direction where kind of that, that anger, that falling apart, that negativity just kind of brings you in and takes hold of your life and just consumes it in such a dark, awful kind of way, like night. Like night can so easily consume. And Jesus is like, nope, there's a flame. There's a little bit of light. I am that light. Why not come with me? Why not be part of that? Why not say, you know what? I have had these unhealthy expectations upon myself and others. Why not try a different path? Why not say, you know what? Why not try mercy first? Why not try staying focused upon healing no matter what anybody says or does? Because here's the thing. They didn't stop coming after Jesus. 
and life doesn't stop coming at us in ways that we don't expect that we're like, wait a minute, what in the world just happened? And we get a choice in how to respond. And so will we choose healthy expectations that help us to flourish? Like say, no, wait, you know what? I am going to try to choose mercy and healing this day. I am going to try to see and understand other people in love, or am I going to hurl awful, destructive words and actions at others because I don't like them, because they don't agree with? What are the reasons, right? What are the reasons that we give for, uh, well, maybe, you know, being a Pharisee is a little bit easier sometimes. What are the reasons why we don't choose mercy first? Why we don't choose healing? Why we get caught up in, I don't know about love. It's because it's hard, right? It is so hard sometimes, especially when people are attacking, when people are coming at us, when people are creating situations that we're like, what in the world? And next week, we're going to talk about those situations, right? When people keep creating situations and it's like, oh, come on, please stop. Here we have Jesus is like, come on, stay focused with me. Stay focused. Mercy first, healing. Mercy first, healing in whatever ways that we can, that no matter what the Pharisees have to say, mercy and healing. Jesus is trying to encourage us. He's actually trying to encourage the Pharisees because he doesn't, he would like for the Pharisees to be like, change course. You're making yourselves miserable every single day when you are focused upon what other people are doing wrong, how they are doing it wrong, how they will never get it right, how they're not doing it like we want it done. Jesus is like, come on, come over. Mercy first, healing. It's hard, hard work, and it is hard to stay focused. But healing, healing can impact so many people, right? Jesus is like, and the crowds followed him. He keeps healing. And the crowds followed. It ripples out and it changes people's lives in a way that says flourishing instead of we're going to let the barrier level us. So what expectations have we put upon ourselves and upon others that we need to say no more? That is not mercy first. That is not healing. That is not the way of Christ. What expectations do we need to say, you know what, I need to let go of that. That sounds like a Pharisee kind of thing. That sounds like a Pharisee kind of response. How do, how do I need to let go of? I need to not be consumed by, I've got a different direction. How will we be challenged by this story today? Amen.